Blog Talk Radio. Sounded like it was dying. Yeah, it's got the remix version. <laughs> what the heck was that? It was like it was being played on an old record player that had like a slow part on the turn. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, welcome to Fantasy Dating Radio. I'm your, I'm Suzanne Casamento, the creator of FantasyDatingGame.com and the author of Dare to Date, and I am here with the awesome Ryan Truax. Aloha, world. Yes, aloha. Yeah. Ryan is fresh off a trip from Hawaii. Yeah, like so fresh. So fresh. Yes, you are. You have a very nice tan. Got into got into LAX at 4:45 this morning. Ooh, ouch! Yeah. Oh, a little overnight, a little red eye action. Mm, literally. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I haven't. <laughs> didn't uh, didn't sleep real well on this one coming back. I was oh. hoping I was gonna get, you know fair amount of sleep, but not so much this time. I'm really sorry to hear that. It's all right. I was in the aisle seat. I had a lot of head nodding happening, which is never good for, for sleep. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. And, and then the flight attendant just was, I mean, vicious when it came to knocking into me at any possible. <gasps> it was like whenever I was almost asleep, mm. bam, bam, elbow, elbow, bam, back of the head. Terrible cart. Just like, yeah, cart, just the whole, yeah. It was, yeah. She did not uh, really respect my personal space very much. Oh, that's terrible. I guess. I'm I sorry know. to hear that. It's all right. Well, you, so you were celebrating your one-year one wedding anniversary. anniversary. One-year wedding anniversary, yeah. Woo-hoo. We went to Kauai. That's how we, we found out that's how you say it. Kauai? Kauai. Kauai. Yeah. The whole time we've been saying Kauai. Oh, I've been saying Kauai, too. Yeah. It's Kauai. Kauai. E. That's how all the local. That's how the local people said it. The people that grew up there said it that way. So we figured they probably knew what they were talking about. Very cool. Yep. So you had you had a good time. Did a little celebrating. We did. Uh, It was our yeah our one year anniversary, and we also took a little you know it was a kind of a dual celebration. Uh, We didn't really take a honeymoon after our wedding, so we decided to, uh, you know, take this opportunity to go back to Hawaii. To Kauai in Hawaii, <laughs> and honeymoon it up, and, and honey, and, and do some yeah, one year after the wedding, honeymooning. That's awesome. So yeah, it was pretty great. It was beautiful, mm-hmm. and we enjoyed uh, a good balance of relaxation and activity. Uh, did some hiking and some kayaking and some waterfall bathing and. Uh, Eat a lot. That was good. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Some beach combing. Mm-hmm. And we made really great friends with uh, this dude named Marco, who was just a random surfer on Kii Beach, who told us all of the good stuff about the North Shore. Oh, that's cool. So, 
yeah, you know, all in all, I'd say pretty successful. Successful vacay. Excellent. And now we're back. And now you're back. Yeah. So, um, uh, what I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, in if you were to give some relationship advice now that you have a year of marriage under your belt, one whole year, one whole year yep. of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to people who are um, about to tie the knot? Mm. Or thinking about tying the knot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you are really putting me on the spot. I mentioned that I had only slept for a couple hours. <laughs> today too. Uh, what is? Well, you know, it can I be mean, little things. Maybe, maybe approach. Uh, maybe I'll approach this question just a little bit differently than uh, you posed it. Okay. But, well, I guess maybe what, w- which would be like a year in. Uh, what advice would I give to somebody? Sort of looking back now, right? That's kind of what you said. Yeah. Like or what have you learned? Idea. Even what I have I learned know. over the course of the last year? Yeah. Uh, patience, patience, and more patience mm. is, is always good. Yes. Um, I think that you can fall into patterns in your relationship where uh, you maybe don't think that you're being snappy or short or irritated sounding or mean or any of the above. Mm -hmm. Uh, But checking in with your partner to make sure that you don't sound that way. And also being able to listen to when they tell you that you sound that way. And rather than being defensive about it, being able to accept that whether you meant for it to sound that way or not, that you sounded that way to them and therefore, uh, I guess, taking ownership of it and trying to be aware of it. I love that. I think maybe that's the best, that's the best thing I can say more than anything else. I think that's amazing advice. Yeah. And it's true for any relationship. Yeah. I mean, first of all, like you just said, checking in with each other. Yeah. And then being able to, to, um, to actually listen to whatever it is and then, Accept it without getting defensive. Yeah. I think that goes, who are we talking to where they were talking about not taking things personally? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, oh, it was um, one of the many people we've interviewed. The dude that does the relationship uh, like seminars and stuff. Uh, you went to, you and Lauren went to one of the things. Oh, uh, to oh, uh, uh, Joseph, Joseph Faust? Yes. That's yeah. Remember he was talking about like checking in with yes. your partner, yeah. making sure of like where they're coming from, what their mindset is like, and then being able to sort of be like, okay, if they need some time or they need whatever it is that they need yep. so that they can engage with you in a way that is productive and thoughtful as opposed to sort of confrontational or whatever. Yes. Which is not to say that, you know, my wife and I have a confrontational relationship by any means. I just think that I think that when people come to um, relationships in general, especially people that are adults who have been in previous relationships and things like that, you bring a lot of your own junk and a lot of your own baggage. And Definitely. So, um, sometimes the way that you say things and the way that people hear things can be two different things. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I think that um, certainly when you kind of get called out on your stuff, it's very easy to go into a defensive mode mm-hmm. um, and try to say, Oh, well, I didn't say that, or I didn't mean it that way, or I didn't do that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sort of just being aware of the fact that um, 
you're not the only person that you need to be paying attention to anymore when you're in a, when you're in a relationship. And especially after you get married, like then you do need to be checking in with that other person on a relatively frequent basis to make sure that, you know, your communication is on the level and, and that things are going a okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So there you go. Bravo. Yeah, thanks. Very good advice, Ryan. My wife, I'm sure, is rolling her eyes somewhere because she's like, yeah, he says that, but does he ever do that? <laughs> Remains to be seen. We actually, you know, the one, the, the nice thing is uh, one thing that we uh, frequently are able to practice is that, you know, we'll get in some stupid argument about something or whatever, and then eventually we just end up staring at each other awkwardly until one of us laughs. And so that's that's usually pretty good. Uh, that is like good. Make a face or do something stupid or silly, and then all of a sudden it goes, oh, okay, actually, that whatever that thing was that we were fighting about was dumb. And ninety five percent of the things that we fight about are dumb anyway. I I I yes, I totally get that. I totally get that, and I love that staring at staring at each other until they until you crack up. I have a friend who's. Um, he has a brother who's like, you know, you're they're really close in age. Mm. And when they were little, when they would fight, their mom would make them sit on the couch and hug each other. <laughs> That's great. And she wouldn't let them stop hugging. And then eventually, and they'd be so mad at each other and they'd be hugging until they finally burst out laughing. Yeah. And then the whole thing would be over. That's good. So it's sort of the same thing. That's like, a pretty you know, good strategy. Just, just looking at each other until you crack up because it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We tried doing too. There's this, so Lauren really loves um, terrible reality television. And one of the things that she really likes to watch is the um, teen mom show on MTV. Oh, really? Yeah. And so there's this couple on the teen mom show um, that I've seen a couple of times because I generally try not to pay that much attention to it when she has it on the TV. But uh, there's this couple that always talks to each other in this really annoying like baby talk voices. And I sat down one day and I was like, why are those two grown ass people talking to each other like that? And she was like, I don't know, but it's so obnoxious. And so then like we agreed right there that one of the best things that we could do whenever we were like having some sort of a fight or a confrontation would be, or when one of us was irritating the other one mm-hmm. is to talk talk to them in the baby voice to tell them why they're being so irritating. Oh my God. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. And it's worked out really, really great. (laughs) Like Lauren looks at me and she's like, I don't like the way you loaded up the dishwasher. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And then we'd both just start laughing and like, because it's ridiculous. That's a great tool. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you have to talk to each other in a stupid voice to smooth things over. I like that. I like that a lot. I don't know. It's worked out for us. It might not be the most <laughs> uh, effective way of, you know, communication or problem solving. But hey, uh, but I each to their own, man. Well, and that's the whatever thing. works. Whatever works. Yeah. You know, whatever works for you. Hey, yep. do it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well. Um. By the way, in a few moments or, or in a few minutes, we're gonna have um Dawn Masler. She's a she's a um love biologist. Love biologist. Yeah. She's going to join us in a, in a few minutes, um, and uh, our love lines are open. So if you want to give us a call, you can at 323-870-3965. Um, yeah. So, um, She's I, going to tell us all about the connection between, like, what happens in your brain. Yep. Uh, and 
what yeah. happens with your with your body and what's going on with your the whole thing chemicals and why we get like blindly stupid when we, when we're falling in love neutrons oh and yeah all of it nerves firing all of it yeah the whole thing it's we're gonna, gonna awesome. talk about pheromones and I'm totally excited hormones and and uh, yeah. all sorts of moans. <laughs> Yes, moans. Lots yes. of moans. With lots Dawn. and lots of moans. Should yes, be, should be good stuff. I'm interested. The science of love, I think, is a it's an interesting science, and there is some science to it. I mean, I think that's what we're talking about a little bit today. It's not. Oh just, yeah. Oh it's no. It's not just all. Uh, it's real science, which is amazing. Yeah, there's actual stuff that happens. Well, and I think it'll make uh, you know the rest of us feel, or at least me, feel a little bit less crazy. Oh, that's fair. For you know uh, the things that that we do, or the bad decisions I've made in the past. Um, definitely. Um, Hey, I wanted to tell you something. So do do you remember Tracy Hitz, the blogger from Chicago now? Yeah. So Tracy Hitz is coming to LA on Sunday. And so she was dating this guy and she, um, and, and she texted me today and she said, well, you know, we've broken up and she said, you know, how do you feel about maybe having a little competition on Sunday? Okay. Because she and the guy broke up. She's right. like, maybe we should go watch football and do a little fantasy dating. And I was like, yes. Bring it on. So um, perhaps when we are finished talking about the science of love, you could give me some recommendations on sports bars to go to that I don't normally frequent. Oh, okay. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, Smart I, move. I don't want to, you know. Yeah, you don't want to. Uh, I, I believe the expression is shit where you eat. Exactly. I don't yeah. want to do that. No. no. It would probably be bad science. Yeah. Speaking of science, I believe that our guest Dawn is on the air. Dawn, are you there? I am. Hi. I'm thanks here. so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, we had some time to watch the videos on your website, and what you do is absolutely fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm I'm honored for saying that. Well, thanks so much. If um, could we maybe start with you uh, sharing a little bit with the audience about what it is that you do and how you even started um, with the science of love. Uh. All right. Unfortunately, the way the way I started was, um, I was one of those women that were attracted to the wrong men. So mm-hmm. I was a biology professor, and I was attracted to the bad boy biker in the band. <laughs> and I would find myself say no more, my friend. It's not that. <laughs> it's not that funny. <laughs> but I would find myself um, working at the college during the day and at night following his band around at bars, trying to stay awake and trying to get myself noticed by him. And um, it was kind of a frustrating relationship. And eventually it ended when he announced that he was engaged to somebody else. So uh, that was the beginning of actually one of, I had a few more after that that ended rather poorly. And I kind of realized that I was, the common denominator of all these relationships was me. And I started doing some investigating and doing some work on myself. And that's what led to like the first book that I wrote was the broken picker fixer, which became from heartbreak to heart's desire. And I started reading, I started doing these women's groups and I had, um, I had a big group that would meet in my house, but the same question came up was how does love really work? 
And since I was a biology professor, I'm like, oh, I can figure this out from a scientific standpoint. I don't need anecdotal evidence. I want to find out exactly how it works. So I hit the research library. I didn't realize it was going to take me five years to do it, but I pieced together exactly how love works, the neurological stages of love, how we fall in love, how, how attraction works, what happens when we fall in love, and in long-term love. And that's where this the the new book Men Chase Women Choose came from. Amazing. Um, I, I'm so fascinated by all of this. Uh, I have also uh, picked the the wrong guy repeatedly. <laughs> so, anything you can tell me about these four stages, I would be thrilled to know. So. <laughs> So would you be willing to give us sort of like um, some brief information about each state or stage and how it works? Okay. And what did you discover? Let's begin. Well, the first stage is called meeting. It's the the attraction phase when we meet somebody. This is when you know that feeling. If if you're a bad picker like I am, you probably had the same experience where you walk into a room and you spot some guy and you go, ooh, and you get all tingly, and you're like, "That's it's him. He he just arrived." And that's how I would be. You know, I, I I spotted him quickly, and I felt it was instantaneous. And I would get the rapid heartbeat, the sweaty palms, and I mistake that for love. I thought I was mm-hmm. I was on my way to love. What what it turns out is, um, I was sexually attracted, so it was actually lust unfortunately. Um, but when I would mistake it for love, sometimes I acted on it and I would jump into a relationship too quickly. And I would, when you did that, when you do that, it kind of sabotages the relationship. Before I tell you how it sabotages, let me, let me go through the other stages and then they'll make more sense. So the meeting is the first stage. That's where you're attracted. The dating stage is where you build up the neurotransmitters, each one, men are different than men, women, to fall in love. Um, and that's the one I did the TED Talk on, if you saw that. And for women, it's oxytocin and dopamine. For men, it's dopamine, vasopressin, and a little bit of testosterone. A woman gets a huge amount of oxytocin when she jumps into a sexual relationship. So what I was doing was I was causing myself to fall in love but he wasn't. He was just having a good time because men don't fall in love that way. Mm. And the worst part, the worst part was once I fell in love, that's the third stage is falling in love. What happens to your brain? So you go through this like crazy neurotransmitter upheaval, your serotonin level drops the hormone of happiness, which seems counterintuitive but it drops mm-hmm. to the level of someone with OCD, so you become obsessed. And at the mm-hmm. same time, at the same time, your ventral medial prefrontal cortex shuts down. That's the part of the brain that judges him. So I couldn't see him for who he truly was. I was living in this fantasy world, and, now, and I was obsessed, and I would stay that way until he became engaged to somebody else. <laughs> wow. And, if it if it had worked out properly, um, there would have been the fourth stage, which I call true love, because that 
that crazy stage of your life when your brain goes wacko, it only lasts a short period of time. And when your brain comes back, that's where you move into true love. And I know I've talked, I've said this really quick. <laughs> so I'm going to like stop for a second and see if you have any questions. Well, I am taking Did notes I, like crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm fascinated I don't by I all of it. I you. <laughs> no, no, I'm following Ryan. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally following along. I mean, it, it all makes sense thus far. It, it does. Okay. It does. Perfect. So, Perfect. if it, it, I guess, so I'm I'm stuck on number two though. So I want to know about number two. So <laughs> number two. So so if if um in that dating phase or oh. that sex phase. If the if the woman is flooded with oxytocin and dopamine, and the man is 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 what what's happening to him then at that time? Well, there's a couple there's a couple things that happens with a man. There's his dopamine needs to rise up, and here's the thing: it's it's not just it can't just go up for a, a, it has to stay up for a little while. You, when your neurotransmitters increase, it doesn't necessarily mean that the receptors are there. So all of a sudden you have all this dopamine, your body goes, oh, we need to put in some more receptors. So then it builds the receptors and it takes a little bit of time. So you have to have the dopamine in his vasopressin needs to be up. But here's the problem with dopamine for him. Dopamine has something in men called the Coolidge effect. Have, have you heard of that before? No. No. Okay. The Coolidge effect was named after President Calvin Coolidge. And the story goes that President Coolidge was uh, on a, he was doing a uh, tour of a chicken farm and he had his wife there and his wife was up ahead and his wife looked over and he sees this rooster and the rooster is like being very romantic and amorous with this hen. And she got all excited and she said to the attendant, she goes, is he like that all the time? And the attendant says, yes, ma'am, all day, every day. And she goes, really? You have to tell President Coolidge that. So the attendant jogged back and he said, President Coolidge, your wife wanted me to point out this rooster. And he looks over and the rooster's being quite romantic and he goes uh, to the hen and he says, I see, son. Is he like that all the time? And the attendant says, yes, sir, all day, every day. And he goes, that's what I thought, son. He says, let me ask you one more question. Is it the same old hen every day? And the attendant says, no, sir. It's a new hen every day. And President oh Coolidge God. says, now run back and tell this is. <laughs> <laughs> and that became Very known funny. as the Coolidge effect. The, the Coolidge effect is when I can, I can take a box of rats, of female rats, and I can throw a male rat in. And he'll have his way with every single one of them to the point of exhaustion. He'll flop over in the corner. They'll try and lick and entice him, and he won't budge unless I throw in a new female. Then he jumps back up, his dopamine skyrockets, and he's up and at her. And that's what can happen with men. His dopamine can go up and down really rapidly. But the key for falling in love is it's got to go up and stay up. The other thing that has to go up and stay up is vasopressin. Vasopressin increases when he's sexually attracted, but decreases rapidly after orgasm. So unlike the female that gets a huge dose after orgasm, he loses it. So in other words, he needs to want to have sex with you, but not have sex with you for a while in order for him to fall in love. 
Wow. All right. Uh, <laughs> but, but there's one more key. There's one yeah. more key, and there's actually a better key than to hold off the, you know, the whole 90-day rule and, all, and everything. There's actually a better key. When he falls in love, his testosterone drops. That's the third stage. His testosterone will drop. They looked that he did a study and they just they looked at uh, like 2000 Air Force men and they followed him over the course of like 20 years. And they found that when a guy was single, his testosterone was high. As soon as he got married, it dropped and it went back high again when he got a divorce. And it actually became uh, an indicator of a pre that a divorce was coming. So it, they knew that was his testosterone was up and he was married. He was going to get a divorce. So later on, Harvard wanted to, to figure out, was it, is it marriage or is it commitment? So they studied married men, committed men, and single men. And what they found was that the single men and the committed men, the testosterone level did not vary. In other words, his testosterone doesn't drop at marriage. It drops prior to marriage at commitment. So, in, And that's a precipitator of falling in love. So if you ask for a commitment prior to becoming sexual, you will both tend to fall in love at the same time. Hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of stunned, and I'm like, wait, what? I mean, I'm not, I'm not really stunned, to be completely honest with you. I mean, really, what it's all getting back to is this sort of like general perception that you know guys are out there to sow their wild oats or whatever, and they're supposed to. It's it's more difficult to get a dude to fall for you, uh, or they they fall for you much later than women tend to fall for a man in the same relationship. I mean, all of those things I think are sort of general perceptions that people already kind of have. I think it's just really interesting to sort of hear the science behind it and actually find out that there's like chemical things that are going on in your brain that actually make it happen that way. Fascinating. Well, the the big deal is for a guy. I mean, I feel bad for guys because he's giving up a lot to be in a relationship because he loses his edge he loses his mojo when his testosterone drops he's he he actually is giving up a lot so if he's got a degree to finish or a business to start he could lose his edge he's trying to make partner so there's a man is going to naturally hesitate before he gets into a committed relationship it's easy for him to jump from a sexual relationship because it costs him nothing a committed relationship is a huge cost for him so I kind of feel bad for you guys. And you wow. and here's the worst part. You ready for the worst part? It's your guy. It gets worse. <laughs> What's the worst part? It gets worse. So you commit, you get married, and she gets pregnant. If she produces a baby girl, your testosterone level could drop to castration levels. Oh my god. Well, so, I mean, it kind of sounds like all married men are doomed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got done celebrating well, a very happy and successful one-year anniversary, Suzanne. Well, how are you keeping With your testosterone up, Ryan? Sixty-five more to go. <laughs> so, 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 how do you? So, how does a man then keep his testosterone levels up? Yeah, I mean, there have to be ways to sort of counteract all of these terrible chemical things that happen to us once we fall in love and get into a committed relationship, right? Well, a lower testosterone is not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually protective of the relationship. 
because it, when his, your testosterone drops, it makes you more susceptible now to oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone. So now you're going to be bonded to your girlfriend, your wife, or whoever you just committed to. You're more likely to take care of the family. You're not going to stray. So it's Mother Nature's way of keeping the helping the next generation survive because it, it really takes not necessarily this day and age does it take two people, but back in the hunter-gatherer time, you really need to have two people to to uh, make a family survive. And really, in today in today's day and age, it really it, the children fare much better when they have a, a mother and father. So yes, that's it's mother's nature's way of creating, you know creating the next generation, making them fit and, and continuing on. That's what she does. She propagates the species. Well, that makes sense. So the testosterone drops, the other thing goes up, and the other thing that is, that's all about bonding, maintaining family, doing out, all of that kind of stuff, while the testosterone is more about, like, seeking out all of the uh, other female rats. <laughs> right? All the other female rats. Yeah. 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 In, in, I a way, in a way, you're. In, oh, go ahead. It also, well, it doesn't. You you lose your aggression too, so you're you know usually see like younger men that are really kind of aggressive in their young twenties and stuff. Um, so you're you're you become more intelligent in a way. Um, you're not likely to do you're not likely to do one of some of those things like hold my beer and watch this kind of thing. You know you're you're you mellow down and you're doing. But you're still, I mean, you're still, you're mellow, but you're still with it. You're not like, it's not like you're taken completely out of the scene. Um, the other thing is it can, if it drops too low, it can go into a depression. You can bottom out. If it goes too high, you're going to get a divorce. But there's a middle ground there where you're like happy, where you're relatively happy and balanced. Um, and how you maintain that in a relationship oftentimes is if you're having a good relationship. If you're having a bad relationship, your your testosterone will start going up or it could go down. Either way is going to break that relationship. It helps you get out of that relationship. So it's self-preserving. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That does make sense. I have a question, sort of a little bit left field, yeah. but kind of kind of um, relates. So, so I'm not married. So... Um, but I hear complaints from people that, you know, once you get married, the sex dies. So I'm wondering if, is there a link between all of these scientific, you know, testosterone, dopamine, oxytocin, um, and, and, uh, and sex life, sex drive, or is that just, you know, a few couples complaining? (laughs) Well, no, no, it's true. And what happens is, that third stage, which is the crazy stage, that crazy mm-hmm. stage is also the crazy sexual stage. That's where you're obsessed, you want to be with them, the oxytocin soaring. A female's testosterone goes up, so she's more sexually aggressive. He he goes his goes down, but he's okay with it. You know, it's like on for the ride. He's like, Yeah, yeah, bring it on. And your endorphins are kicking in too. So I mean the sex is wonderful, you're having a great time, but that stage has a time limit. And when your brain comes back, other things start coming in. Now, the biggest, do you know what the biggest enemy of a good relationship is? What? Stress. 
mm. stress. Because if you start getting more stressful, you start losing that connection. Because there's a there, when you fall in love, it's really weird. This is the only time in 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 this cycle where your cortisol is high, which is your stress hormone, and your oxytocin is high. So when you come off, your cortisol level starts dropping. But if it goes back up again, it actually can block the oxytocin. That's what makes you feel connected. And if you don't feel connected, huh. your sexuality drops. Huh. So you're saying your cortisol level will go up from stress, and that will block mm-hmm. the oxytocin. Wow. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I think it stands to reason that if you're in a relationship for a long period of time, that the odds of other stressful things that happen in your day-to-day uh, oh. interfering with your relationship are certainly higher. You, you kind of mm-hmm. allow those things to take a, a bigger priority than when you're sort of in the initial stages of meeting somebody or, you know, hanging out with somebody or dating somebody or whatever that, that may be. So that totally makes sense. Absolutely. Well, and even, and and also that crazy stage. I mean, if you compare any kind of sex life to the crazy stage where you can't keep your hands off each other and it's like, you know, I mean, everything's about ripping each other's clothes off, then, then, you know, uh, normal life is going to be, is going to be completely dull in comparison. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So there are things you can do to enhance your relationship, even if you've been together for a while. One of the biggest things that helps increase dopamine, again, you get the dopamine back, which is associated with reward and passion, is if you do new and novel things together. So date nights, doing, you know, making new things. Uh, um, There was a thing called like a date, date, date night box or something like that, like a monthly subscription that they send to you and they um they actually give you one of the things they sent us was uh candle making kits so you making things something like candles together it's new it's different it it causes you to use muscles and think about things that you haven't done before so when it's new and novel increases that dopamine which helps increase that passion and keeps it alive together hmm that's fascinating. Keeping it fresh. Keeping it fresh. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. A, that's that's a, that's a really good uh, tip, and it's not that difficult to do, you know. Um, no. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and you're not you talking get, about. You want to get caught in a rut. If you get caught in a rut, that 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 actually increases some of the stress. Mm, yes. Which is tough. I mean, people fall into their own patterns. You fall into patterns in your relationship for sure. Sure. Uh, you know, a lot of times I think that your, you know, schedules sort of dictate uh, your time. Definitely. And mm-hmm. in that regard, you, you, children, you know, people, people yeah. tend to throw kids in the mix. Yeah. You throw kids in the mix and then, you oh, know, God. All, all of your free time is not your own anymore. Yeah. I mean, that, that all totally makes sense. Totally. It's just cool to, you know, start to hear a little bit about how it comes from sort of a biochemical level as opposed to just, you know, sitting there and thinking that you love watching late night reality television with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and, and also, I mean, the idea that there is science behind it, it makes, I mean, it makes, it makes me feel like, oh, 
we're not that crazy. There's a reason why this is happening. You know, it's not that I'm just an idiot. No, you're you still know. crazy, Suzanne. Well, thank you. It's a, it's There's a third a phase. Why you're crazy, we're discussing though. it already. Yeah. You still have the third phase of total craziness. It's there and waiting for you. You just have to figure out how to achieve it. That's oh, where, God. where it's coming from. But it's a good thing, it turns out. On the chemical brain science of love spectrum, mm-hmm. that's, that's a third level of awesome. Right after that, then you get into you know, love and commitment and all of that good stuff. So you have to go to the crazy to get there, Suze. <laughs> I like the crazy part. Well, I, 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 think this, okay. I think the crazy part is mo- Mother's Nature's way of bringing you close together. One of the things that you produce is called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. That is um, known to decrease neophobia, the fear of new, and, new people and new things. So when your brain is flooded with that, your, your natural defenses go down. And I think that's what the whole crazy part is. She's knocking out parts of your brain. The other part she knocks out is the amygdala. It shuts down, deactivates for a couple of years. That's the part of your brain that should be sounding the alarm. So even if you notice something wrong with the person you're with, you can't really register it because your body's not saying anything. You're like, okay, maybe, you know, he shouldn't be wielding a, a bloody axe, but for some reason, it's not bothering me, and I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, So, okay, I have more questions. So, uh, if I want to actually get to the love stage, Mm -hmm. (laughs) make it all the way. I'm sorry? The falling in love stage? The crazy stage? Uh, Or the the fourth stage? the fourth stage, the true love stage. So okay. um, how do I not screw it up? Uh, you know, <laughs> because I'd be, I, I would be a little bit, you know, like you and, the, um, and the, what did you call him? Bad boy, um, biker, bad boy band biker. guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, so. Step one. Step one is stop picking bad boy biker band guys. <laughs> Excellent advice. True story. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, no, I mean, it sounds to me like a lot of it has to do with just uh, finding the right person, right? I mean, a good part of that well, is part of one, that. Whether it's bad boy biker band guy or, you know, loves to eat macaroni and cheese. <laughs> in his mom's kitchen guy like it right. could be the basic. it doesn't make a difference which, which guy it is necessarily it's that if it's the right guy for you then all of that cool chemical stuff starts happening anyway yeah exactly and that's where i start when I, I do coaching and that's what i start with the women is creating the list and the list is first it's what do you want out of your life and that's where you start with and then you figure out what you want in your partner but you got to figure out what you want in your life first. So a lot of women who actually will come to me and be like, I'll say, what do you want? And they're like, well, what, do I, what are my choices? They want to like walk into the man store and like pick and choose between like the different guys. And oftentimes they don't even fit. I had a woman call me up and she says, I met this guy and I really like him. And she made the mistake of like, you know, meeting him quickly and became uh, sexually romantic with him. So she was like really gaga over this guy and she's like I don't know how to make it work and I said well what's the problem and she's like well 
he's a yacht captain and he's gone six months out of the year. And I said, is that what you're looking for? And she said, no, I want somebody that's around every night. I'm like, well, you can't change him. You need to find somebody inherently around every night. <laughs> Mm. not find a yacht captain and try to make him stay around. Right. Right. Yeah. Good point. We've gotten to that several times in the show. You're not going to change people. (laughs) Yeah. That's for sure. Especially adult people. (laughs) Yes. Especially adult people. Yes. That's one thing I know for sure. (laughs) There's, there's not going to be any, any changing of anybody. No, no. You, You have to be confident in what you want and what your list is and then pursue accordingly. So totally true. When, when, I, so, when I looked at it, I realized when I looked at the bad boy biker, I realized I didn't want him anyway. I was trying, I was, I was sexually attracted to him, but I didn't want his lifestyle. I wanted to change him to fit into my lifestyle. But every time you do that, you're basically saying to the other person, you're not acceptable the way you are. So of course they're going to reject you because they, they want to be acceptable. <laughs> You know they they don't want to hear that. You know, even though you're not saying it out loud, it's you're, they're feeling it. So I had to sit down and figure out what type of person I wanted. And the the man I'm with today, we've been together for ten years, is totally different. That he does he doesn't even have a tattoo. He's a he's a <laughs> businessman, and he's and he's wonderful. But you know he he has a you know he has. A, the other guy was like barely employed and this one is highly successful. And, you know, so it's like I ended up with like the complete opposite of the guy I was chasing after, after I did, after I looked at what I wanted. Very important. So I guess. Well, it sounds like you made the right choice, Don. Yes. It does sound (laughs) like you made the right choice. Yes. Um, I have a question around the attraction phase. So, uh, you know, you mentioned how, how, You'll get the rapid heartbeat and sweaty palms and, uh, you know, all, all of those feelings. Um, mm-hmm. it, so, so let's say that I, let's say that there's the bad boy and then there's the good guy and, you know, um, am I going to, okay, I'm going I'm to stop you. I'm going to stop you for a second. Cause you know what I'm going to ask. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> produced by norepinephrine, right? And yeah, some mm-hmm. women will be like, I really get it with this bad guy, and I don't really feel it so much with this good guy. The thing is, it's not necessary for love. All it's indicating is sexual attraction, which really doesn't have that much to do with love. The, 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 hmm. the, the second phase to fall in love doesn't have norepinephrine in it at all. That's just the first part, the sexual attraction. It just... It's basically Mother Nature saying, hey, something is important to come into the room. Where we make the mistake is thinking that's love. So the classic example of making that mistake is uh, Baywatch, Pamela Anderson, and Tommy Lee. They Mm -hmm. met, thought it was love, met and married within 96 hours. On a Friday and Monday they were married. And because they thought that was love, they needed to keep regenerating that feeling. Fight, the fight-or-flight response is temporary. It's very short. So in order to keep it going, you have to create drama in your life. So they had this drama-filled relationship. It was on again, off again. And finally, after three years, she filed not only for divorce, she filed assault, charge, assault charges. He spent four months in county jail 
for domestic violence. And still, at the end, they just they this they he came out and they said, uh, "We've only tried it 800 times. 801, here we come." So wow. that's the type of problems that you get by relying on norepinephrine as your gauge for love. Wow. That explains so many people in their relationships. Well, and I feel like it, it <laughs> kind of goes back to a conversation that we were having a couple of weeks ago too, though, which is also that, and again, sort of with all of the talk that we've had today about sort of the way that guys' brains work and the chemicals that are involved there and the different responses that they have based on the different stages that they're in or whatever, but it does sort of make a lot more sense now too that one of the things that we have talked about previously or talked about a couple of weeks ago is that women sort of have this ability to fall in love with a guy after multiple dates or after convincing themselves or sort of, Oh yeah. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. not necessarily convincing themselves, maybe that's the wrong word, but maybe not necessarily thinking that anything was going to come of it after date one or date two, but then after sticking with it for a little while going, Oh, he actually really is a great guy and sort of like evolving into this state of, being in love with somebody where yes. we've, you know, discussed Correct. or found that, you know, men generally within the first date or two dates know whether it's going to go anywhere or not, primarily because they have so much more wrapped up in sort of the physical attraction aspect of yes. the relationship. So yes. those things make total sense too. Yes. Well, yes. well for we men, were, the, we, men, men, well, I was going to say men place a higher importance on physical attributes because yeah. you guys have 25% more neurons in your visual cortex. So that, that's why you're like, that's your 25 visual looks is 25% more important than it is for you than it is for women. Women rely on there the rest of right their there. senses. See ladies, you want to know why we're shallow and it seems like looks mean everything. <laughs> Because we're 20, 25% more neurons in our visual cortex. Oh, yeah. The difference between a C and an A. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. So I have a question about a personal experience that I had. Um, I was, how do I explain this? So I dated this guy for about a year, and then, uh, and then we... Um, and then we stopped seeing each other because he was relocating. And then five years later, we, um, we saw each other again and we were like, Oh my God, you know, we've been dating other people for five years and everything in between. Nothing has been as great as it was with you. So we started seeing each other again. And, um, and after a year I was feeling like, I mean, I thought we were going to be together forever. I mean, I was, you know, I was good. And so, and out of nowhere, I was completely blindsided. And he said that he said um, that he didn't feel those feelings anymore, that he kept thinking about back to the beginning and how amazing it was and how, you know, madly crazy in love he was. And he, and he said um, that I keep thinking if you were the one, I would still feel that way. And I was like, dude, you are crazy. That's not how it works, you know? Like, after a while, Correct. You, those Correct. feelings fade, and you choose to love someone. So You got it right. Uh, and I know – thank you. I mean, I did read that. Thank you. I would love for him to hear this, although he's not hearing this. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I did read on your on your website that, that 
after that, yes, that after a while you choose. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I do think it's fascinating and it's important for people to understand that. Okay. That, that third phase, the crazy in love phase where your brain goes wacko, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you cannot survive in that phase because one of the things that happens, as I said, your car- car- uh, cortisol level skyrockets. That's your stress hormone, and it decreases your immune system. So you actually will get sick if you stayed in love for too long. Mm. So basically mm. it lasts between one and three years. And then Mother Nature gives you your brain back. Now, I've been there, and probably some of your viewers or listeners have been there, where one day you're like, oh, he's so cute. I just love him. I could eat him up. And then the next next thing you know, you're going, oh, what is wrong with him? Why can't he pick that up? You know, you just, it's all of a sudden, it's like you were so in love and then you're like, what? What was I thinking? And that's when your brain comes back. Mm. So when your critical judgment has been shut down, when it comes back, it can come back fiercely. And that can sometimes sever relationships. In fact, the um, some of the research indicates that about two years is the highest divorce time, like the, the highest amount of divorces in the United States, like peaks at two years and then drops and slowly drops. Um, so what was the point? Oh, the point wow. is, so when, so when the, uh, after that two year mark, you, when your critical judgment comes back, that's where it becomes a dangerous time. That's why people break up. So they studied people that stayed together in long-term relationships and they said they looked at all the factors that contributed to the long-term relationship and out of like 40 different factors they could only find one that all of them had in common and that was the ability to maintain positive illusions of the other in other words their critical judgment came back but they started choosing what they were going to focus on. Either they were going to focus on the dirty sock on the floor or they're going to focus on, but I really, you know, he's a loving guy and he's great and I'm not worried about the dirty sock. So when, when we start focus, it depends on what we focus on, we start practicing. The other thing that happens when you practice is when you fall in love, you produce, you have a, actually a deactivation of your right hemisphere. So not a complete deactivation, just a, a downgrade but it, it can give you the effect of like cocaine. So that's kind of the part that makes you like giddy and, but you know, when you're feeling high and like euphoric in the relationship, when you, in the, when you get to the fourth stage, your brain comes back. You don't feel that anymore. That's, that's like your boyfriend saying, I just don't feel that love anymore. Well, you can get that love back, but in a different way. When you start practicing love, when you start, being kind and being generous to the other person. And the, when you do that, you create like a positive feedback loop. And it's kind of like the same type of feedback loop when they have, when you, when you're kind to other people to, uh, you know, they, they call it the helper's high. Um, and what happens is it hits your PAG, which is your perioctical gray. And it produces uh, a type of, uh, internal opiate so you get that like warm glow that uh, so it's not like the cocaine high it's more like the heroin high now so your long-term relation your short-term relationship and you're in love you're in coke when you're in long-term love you're on heroin 
<laughs> I'm going to make a T-shirt that says that, actually. So that should, should be able to sell a bunch of them, I think. Uh, Fascinating. All right, not li- I mean, not, not literally. It's just the same receptors. But there is, a, there is an internal opioid that you do produce, and it has a pain-relieving effect. Wow. That is amazing. It's the, sa- this is a- it's the same one that parents produce when they look at their babies. So they can be up all night and tired, and every sudden you walk in and the baby goos and the mother just gushes. That's the same thing. Wow. That's incredible. Oh, my goodness. I think that's so interesting. <laughs> isn't, isn't biology and fun? Don't you wish you paid more close attention in school? Yeah, I do right now. I know I do, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. That uh, that's awesome though. I mean, I do think, and and I would have to. I mean, just from a general perspective, I think I have to, have to agree with you. Like, uh, I do feel that uh, people who choose to have a positive outlook generally are uh, better off, both just in real life and in the dating world, but certainly just in like regular everyday life. Sure. In general, than people mm-hmm. that you know focus on negative stuff and negative negativity. So I think that that sure. obviously translates into being in a relationship and being in a long-term relationship. You have to, at a certain point you do like all of that stuff wears off a little bit. I mean, it doesn't like all wear off, but you know, like exactly like we're talking about the things that sort of happen in that third crazy stage or whatever. Like by the time you're in the long-term relationship, been with somebody for several years, like know pretty much everything about them, know your daily routine, know all that stuff. Like things can get into a little bit of a routine and a little bit of a rut. And so focusing on, oh, these are all the things that I really love about that person versus like, oh, I hate it when they leave their stupid water glass next to the bed or whatever. Like (laughs) that makes, I mean, makes sense. You have to make that decision to maintain a successful Mm -hmm. relationship for sure. I totally completely agree. Well, thank God we figured it all out. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, the only thing, I, I, all I learned is I'm basically damned if I do and damned if I don't. That's how I feel about it right now. My, my testosterone is dropping. I've got, I'm in bad shape if I want to stay in this relationship for a long time. I'm sticking it out anyway. Oh, but wait, oh, the you good part is you're going to. I need to reduce my stress. You're That's gonna, for damn sure. But if you, you stay say, in the relation, stays in the relationship, you're going to live a lot longer. Ah, yeah. You're going to be healthier and live longer. She's never going to want to have sex with me again, though, because I'm going to get fat and <laughs> slow and dopey. That's what's going to happen. All my man so the, masculinity so, is going out the window. And I'm just so, so fostering a family at this point forward. Uh, wah, wah. Joking, no, I'm just teasing. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to get old and fat. It's going to be amazing. The joke is so, you, you don't actually longer. It just feels like it. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> That's funny. So you mentioned earlier that you do coaching too. So I didn't realize mm-hmm. that actually. So that's amazing. Will you tell us a little bit about, you know, about your services and what you do and how people can find you and contact you and, and learn more? Cause this stuff is fascinating. <laughs> well, they can find out more about me on dawnmasler.com. It's no, it's all A's, D-A-W-N-M-A-S-L-A-R.com. Um, I've got a, they get a book that's coming out next week will be launched. Uh, it's called Men Chase, Women Choose, The Neuroscience of Meeting, Dating, Losing Your Mind, 
in finding true love. Um, and I do awesome. coaching. I do something called the Great Love Experiment, where I go to campuses and bars, and I we we talk about the science of love, and we actually inter, we reenact um, scientific experiments on stage, but in a fun way. So it's it's yeah, fun and interactive. I saw some and videos. Yeah. I saw some of the videos on your website. They're awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> And um, what else? Oh, and I do coaching. I do group coaching and uh, I do or single coaching. And then I do. Um, I even have a package to like go through the whole like re-up and with, with headshots and the whole nine yards, like the big huge package. Um, and then I do some couple coaching too. Um, I, I'm not doing that as much right now because of the launch, um, but I'll get back into that as soon as the launch is over. And I think that's all I do. There's something else I do, and I can't remember what it is. <laughs> oh, that's all? That's it? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a lot. Yeah, you got a lot on your plate here, Don. That's awesome. Right on. So donmasler.com is where our listeners can get any and all information they deem necessary about Don, who she is, and what she does. Thank you so much. This is such an awesome, awesome show. It's really, I mean, so exciting. I love this. This is, I mean, yeah, (laughs) it's really fascinating. You've taken more notes today than I think I've seen you take in any show. Yeah, Don, I have like seven pages of notes. Seriously, like you were sitting in a college class. (laughs) So that's great. (laughs) That's good. There's gonna be a quiz. I did want to say one thing. I like the fantasy dating thing because one of the biggest problems with women is the fear they don't even want to start. So the fantasy dating really helps them just starting which so it's a wonderful idea oh thank you so much creating that oh thank you so much yeah it's all because my girlfriends wouldn't stop complaining so i just dared them to start talking (laughs) to people (laughs) like please be quiet put your phones away start talking to people smile (laughs) say hi and they did and it worked so (laughs) i appreciate it thank you perfect thank you thank you all right well awesome thanks thanks for joining us i hope you have a great night you too. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, great thanks, Dawn. All right. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. That is fascinating. I am fascinated. Yeah. I mean, a lot of info there. I mean, a lot of info. There was a lot of, uh, lot of big words. I know. Well, yeah. Lots of... Neuroprenephrine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Good anecdotes. Oxytocin. I love the Coolidge effect. I'm going to... That's, that's a great <laughs> anecdote, a uh, good story, and I had no idea that that yeah. then had turned into a scientific term as well, so mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that. The next time my wife complains about the size of my beer belly, I can just tell her, hey, baby, it's just a Coolidge effect. <laughs> Not my fault. Science. I don't know what to tell you. Well, and how interesting about the 25% more uh, visual neurons or, or more, more neurons in your visual cortex than yeah. women. No, that I makes mean, total sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. See, now now it's not so strange, the guys I pick. <laughs> your eyes are hardwired to your brain. Yeah. And, yeah, the guys you pick, we have 25% fewer I know. receptors in your visual. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. You get it? <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. So their, their looks aren't that important. Yeah, right? you're more willing to give them a chance because they're nice. Yeah, exactly. Carry a good conversation. I know. Well, interesting that what she said about the list because I actually put together the list of what or, or the things I want at, uh, at, in life Yeah. and then the things I want uh, in a man. So yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what comes along 
And then, of course, you know, I'll just screw it up by falling badly crazy in love and, you know, sleeping with him five minutes after I meet him. And... No, that's just the lust phase, Suzanne. Did you learn nothing today? Well, that's lust only. I'll be like, ooh, sweaty palms, accelerated heart rate. Yep. It's love. Total, total love. Yeah, no, no. I won't really, but. <laughs> that's all right. We're going to find you a nice guy one of these days. Oh, we are, we are. Yeah. Maybe Sunday. That you can lust after. Yes. And then fall in love with as well. Yes. Won't that be nice? Yes, it will be nice. It's fine. He's out there somewhere, Sus. I know. And well, and we'll so find him. back to my original question, though. So mm-hmm. on Sunday with yeah. Tracy, because yeah. we're going to have a little oh, yeah, yeah. fantasy dating competition. Yep. Where do you think we should go for some football? Oh, man. I know. I don't want to go to the same old, you same can't, old. You can't hit your regular haunt uh-uh. is the problem. Nope, not at all. No you way. You not If you're out with a new person trying to find some new dude, Yep. you can't go to the same old, same old. No. Oh boy, that's a tough one. Do you want to stay on? Do you want to stay out here? You want to stay on the west side? You know what? I mean, maybe we should like go to Hollywood or something. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, again, yes and no. The only problem with traveling outside of your comfort zone is that it means I'll have to travel outside of my comfort zone all right. the time. Right, and then you're gonna. Well, yeah, if you meet somebody that lives on that side of town, then you're gonna be over there all the time. Right. But so you got to make a decision really as to whether. Me. Yeah. The other part of it, though, too, I think, just from a practical thing though is that like you're going to be out there with your girlfriend it's going to be football sunday you're obviously going to have a few drinks like getting around mm-hmm. could be problematic mm. we live in a very driving centric city and if you were to drive yeah. out there you don't necessarily want to drive yourself back later oh yeah you're right we don't want to drive to hollywood yeah. i understand what you're saying yeah so we yeah. kind of have to stay on the west side um what about gosh. maybe something in the marina is there anything in the marina hmm. i don't know i can't go to the regular places that i go to although i mean She's from out of town, and if I took her to Big Dean's, it is like shooting fish in a barrel. That's true. But um, but you're going to know some of the fish. I'm going to know some of the fish. You're going to know some fish. Um, yeah. Unless I go to... when the Pats are playing, then I won't know any of the fish. That's also true. Because they'll be somewhere they'll else. They'll be somewhere else. We're going to have to discuss mm. this further. Okay. Um, uh, you gotta, I, think, I think what you're going to need to focus on, though, is you want to go someplace that has a good atmosphere, but is also like... A little classy. Yes, I agree. A little classier. Yeah, you don't want to just go to like. No. Like JP's is not going to be your. Oh favorite. my God! No. Not that I have. Not that there's anything against JP's. If anybody that works at JP's or anything, yeah. Oh no, I've been there plenty of times. JP's is the local dive bar here yep, in Santa yep. Monica, and it is all that one would expect from a local dive yep. bar. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went there with Vegas guy. Actually. I'm thinking that you probably yeah. are not going to try to pick up some, you know, new not dudes, at JP's. Some new dudes at JP's is all. Hell I'm no, no. Right. No. There, so you're going to want to, you know, you're going to want to find a place that has a nice balance of football and class. Are there any sports bars in Beverly Hills? I don't even know <laughs> where that know. exists as soon as I, I said it. Like, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I, I was like, where in the hell am I going to send it? Where is she even going to go for that? What the F am I talking about? Oh, my God. I have no idea. Uh, we're going to figure this out. Oh, we're going yeah. to figure it out for you. We're going to figure it out for you. We're going to, you know, what's crazy is that I, I mean, I can't remember. It's been years since I went to a bar to watch football games. Oh my God. So all of the places that I used to go to watch football games, like were really great when I was 28. Yeah. I know. Now I'm not. I know. And so now I don't know if I went back there and I would be like, oh, this is really awesome. Or if I would be like, this is terrible why would i ever do this to myself and i kind of think that maybe it might be the latter for me mm. now that i'm old and yelling at kids to get off my lawn 
but we'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, you have all the standard haunts. Is really what it comes down to. You just you, there's places on the west side. There's probably a handful of ten of them that are all sort of the same. And you're gonna sort of swallow your pride and go with it. You should go to Q's. Are you kidding me? Yeah, just do it. Are you kidding? Why me? Why not? Go to Q's. Oh my God, they're gonna be like everyone's gonna be in their twenties. Yeah. It's gonna be a shit show. Yeah. I don't know. This is exactly what you're looking for. You're in fantasy dating mode. Shooting fish in a barrel, and you don't even know any of the fish anymore. Yeah, but or Barney's Beanery on the promenade. Same company. Same people own both of those places. Um, they might be a little older on the promenade, though. No, they'll just be more European. More European. Where mm-hmm. where can we find 40-ish? Ooh. I mean, we. I, I'm not looking for 25. Yeah, I know, but see, I then mean, again, here's... Unless I want to go with, you know, stage mm. number one, Lust, which yeah. I don't. No. You want to avoid, like, 40-ish at the Sports Harbor, kind of 40-ish, though? You ever been to the Sports Harbor? That's divey, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. like... Yeah, it's that's like the weird forty-ish from down the street in Venice. Like they're at the Sports Harbor every day, mm. not just because there's football on TV. You won't avoid that. Yeah, that's like JP, but in the marina. Um, All right, we're gonna figure this out. Clearly, we're not entertaining to anybody except ourselves anymore. No, so. if you don't live in yeah. LA, this is not entertaining. Not, I mean, not even a little bit. No, not even. Sorry, sorry, audience. Anyway, but what's really cool about it is that. Um, maybe we'll get Tracy to come on the radio and then we'll Oh, talk. God, I hope so. Yeah, and then we'll talk about our Absolutely. ridiculous Sunday. <laughs> you know what we should do? When what? we get off the air, what we're going to do is sit down and make a list of, of like five different places Okay, five for you to places. go on Sunday. Now, maybe five is a lot, but at least if you have a list of five, then you can scope out sort of five. And we're going to make them five like completely different places. Okay. And then we can figure out what places you were most successful meeting people, like the vibe and the atmosphere, Okay. you're going to be like a social experiment for us on Sunday this week. Okay. You and Tracy are going to go to five different types of places you know to what? watch football games and hit on dudes. We could go like, see what you know happens. what? We could go Main Street and Venice. We could yeah. go on Main Street, then we could go down to Abikini, then we could go down to the Whalers, see? then we could go, and we could do all of that in you a You already way. have, yep, you got a whole plan. It's all coming together right now. And they're all totally completely different. Yep. And I generally loathe Abbott Kinney, so mm. so it would be interesting if we went there and had the most success there. Yeah. You never know. It's a little hipster, but... We're going to check this out. This is, this this is going to be great. And then maybe we'll give ourselves some dares. I like it. I like all of it. It's a good plan. Awesome. All right. Cool. All right. Well, so I'm going to uh, pimp Suzanne out on Sunday, <laughs> and we'll discuss on Wednesday. <laughs> exactly. See you then. Thanks a lot.